The topic that I'm going to touch today is about how great work cultures can make great customer experiences. And the reason why I, I wanted to have this topic, it is because a couple of years ago, probably five or six years ago, I had in my hands a book called Delivering Happiness, A Path to Profits, Passion and Purpose. So this book was written by the founder of a company called Zappos. And the funny thing about Zappos is that they popularize the fact that if you have customers, no, in order to have customers that are happy, you need to have your people, your employees that are happy. And this guy has developed his own culture. So Zappos is an e-commerce website that sells shoes. In fact, today they have been purchased like a couple of years back by Amazon. And the thing is that at the early stages of their startup, uh, it was a little bit messy because they needed to have a lot of customer service people and there was a high rotation, people were leaving. So he decided to concentrate and put the focus on the company culture as a number one priority. And he created like kind of a crazy weird culture inside of Zappos where for instance, people, the, the brand new employees are paid $2,000 to quit. So if they feel that they don't fit in the culture, they can leave. So they have made also customer service the responsibility of the entire company, not just the department. They apply research from the science of happiness to running a business. They help employees grow both personally and professionally, and even they seek to change the world. Well, that sounds quite a lot, in fact. And it, it may sound like there's some BS invented by some hippie, but I, I decided to invite Claire Boss today. And the reason is why, because she is the one who made me think again about that book. So we have been talking already for a while about customer experience. I had the opportunity to, to meet her way before she landed here in Dubai since one or two months. Uh, prior to that, she was in, uh, in the island of Jersey. And we have been discussing quite a lot about corporate culture and the impact that it has into the customer centricity. Let me tell you a little bit more about Claire. She is the right person to talk about customer experience as she has been awarded winning customer experience expert. She is a keynote speaker and a consultant awarded in the top global customer services gurus Wow, and she has been writing quite a lot and, and we will discuss a little bit more about her books. She has four books in the, uh, on the pocket and she has even a one number one Amazon bestseller from 2020. And she's also the creator of, of a quite inspirational process called the Beast Shoe. And we will discuss also about it, this approach of creating a better flow in business by integrating and kind of mixing together the traditional pension principles with the modern business. Claire, I'm super happy to have you with me. And I, what I wanted to ask you first, so I was reading a little bit one of your books, one of the books that comes from six years ago is called Thrive with the High, 10 Simple Steps to Follow to Deliver Exceptional Customer Service. And it made me think quite a lot about this, this idea of creating happiness in, inside of an organization. And you define what it is to, to have a service culture. Can you tell me a little bit more about your own definition of service culture? 
So there's a word missing in what you just said. There's a caring service culture. It's a caring service culture. That's the word that was missing in what you just said. I think that, you know, we are, I, I loved writing that book. My first book was all about, you know, I was about the beehive and my business was called the Busy Queen Bee at a time. So everything was surrounding around the bees and around the community, around the spirit of helping each other and caring for each other. Uh, and I just loved how, you know, those natural little miniature little bees could actually create something so big and beautiful and actually make our world go round. I mean, how simple those little tiny little bees would make our world go round. And so if we look at our organizations as if they were beehives and we are all worker bees, we all have our tasks to do, but we're all looking out for each other, we're all caring, we're making sure that we take the time off, we, you know, we've got great leadership, great communications, we've got great training, we're really inspiring people. This is what creates the buzz in the hive, right? And this is how we should be running our businesses as well. So if we have worker bees and employees which are really happy you know and doing their work and their well-being and treated and they feel cared for they will go and you know get some honey for everybody and then all the customers and all the people that are coming in contact with a beehive will thrive which is what the book was all about <laughs> I, I love your analogy with the beehive so what it seems to me is like <clears throat> The bees itself is like the, it is a self-organized uh, working environment where it's not about the bee doing a specific task. It is about the aim of the hive, which is to survive to, and to thrive, in fact. Uh, that's very important. And no need of a lot of communication. They feel each other about what the others are doing in order to move forward towards a single goal. Love it. Yes, and, and also you've got, you know, so the, this is like one, the, the beehive only main reason for living is, is, to, is to make honey and to actually work together towards that. And with the leadership of the queen, the queen is just does that inspiration that everybody just follow her everywhere. You'll see that, you know, if you uh, look into beehives and people are trying to relocate a beehive, for example, you will take the queen and you put the queen somewhere else. And then suddenly within a couple of days, the whole beehive is gone to where the queen is. It's just incredible that inspiration from uh, the queen, which will take care of everybody else. And that's what, you know, we want. We want a really strong leadership but we need a leadership who leads with a yin, but manage with a yang. And I love that analogy. Uh, tell me more. So ex explain more about the, the, this yin and yang. Just so that in my language of, of business person, I can, I can really get it. Okay, so we have two sides of our brain and, and we've got the left side of our brain, which is the conscious brain, the neocortic brain. It's the brain of the doing, the acting, and that's the yang energy. When you've got yang energy into a place, it's all about do, 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 let's go, let's go, let's go, and let's take action. And then we've got our right brain, which is the living brain, and the living brain 
oh, it's all about our emotions and our feelings and you know the things that you know the dreaming and that's our feminine energy and that's the yin energy and so really when you want to create a business really a harmonious business you need to have some care and emotional connections with people and human because we're all human but you still need to get on and do a business right <laughs> because you've got a business and so this is where, you know, lead with the yin and manage with the yang. That means that as a leader, you're bringing that care, attentions, emotions into what you do. But on the same time, you're getting things done and you're getting things done because your people are good. They're well, they're, they're thriving, they're loyal, they're, they're really kind of engaged with you. They trust you. And all of those things bring that real kind of thrive into, into an organization for your employees to be able to really take it to the next level and, and make the organization, make themselves more productive, more creative, and make the organization thrive and prosperous. Again, getting back to something that you said, it is the fact that when you are a leader, you need to be caring. And maybe as the queen bee, uh, she's not telling to people, do this, do that. It is just by the fact that she's caring that they know that this enhances the the purpose of, of the full hive. And oh, I, I'm loving your, your, your analogy with the guy. You should <laughs> this analogy forever. Okay, I have a question for you. So, it is not always the most evident fact to think that when employees are happy or they have a healthy culture, they, you can deliver better or greater customer experience. That's not always evident because people believe that, I mean, there is still a big chunk of leaders who believe that you are paid, you have incentives, bonuses, if you, if you win more businesses, and that should be enough in order to acquire customers. Now, my question is, and I'm tempting the, the devil is, is it like, can toxic work culture still have great customer experiences? Can you make a business out of bonuses, incentives, and pushing and pushing? No. <laughs> well, that's my own. <laughs> that's, that's a very simple and abrupt answer. Um, and, and that's my own views. Maybe other people will, you know, say something different. For me, really, for an organization to thrive and be prosperous, you need engaged, motivated loyal employees you need to share show them that you trust them they trust you you need some care you need to make them feel valued you need to really kind of make sure that all the same but you need customers you need you know to have a thriving business you need to have customers you need to have customers who comes in your shop who comes in your organization and they're gonna start loving you as well so it's becoming more than loyalty it's becoming advocacy right if you've got customers which are advocate for you they will go and recommend you to their friends and family they'll buy from you they'll return to you so having both your customers advocacy your employees loyalty and putting them together that's when you have a thriving and prosperous if there's a, something missing so for example you may have um, really loyal employees but then your customers are not really bothered they don't really like you they are pathetics right they'll come to you maybe or they'll go to somewhere else well you start having a team member who feel 
demotivated, right? Disengaged. If that customer is here, but he's really not bothered, why should I spend time, you know, telling him about it? And then he's going to just walk away, right? And vice versa. If you've got a really customers really advocates and they love you and they come back to you, but then suddenly he's facing an employee who's totally disengaged. Well, that becomes a very fragile and risky relationship that we're having here, right? Because your customers isn't going to stay long with you if your employees is totally disengaged and is not, you know, is not part of it. So you really have to have those two key metrics to be able to get and have a thriving business. And for me, it's it's all in the middle of it. So you need to have uh, that leadership who are going to be driving. You need to have that mission who is inspiring. You need to have those values that people align with. And those are the core of a business. Once you've got that culture, right, that caring service culture, which I call, then everything else will start falling into place. If you've got a culture where people are distrust, they're not, you know, they're not, they're not feeling cared for, they're not going to work. They're not going to want being here. They will look for somewhere else and your customers won't be happy. They won't get any service. So you've got damage and loss there. It'll be that download sparrows on everything else that you're doing. I want to be a little bit more competitive. Let's call it like that. So what you are saying is that financial perks, bonuses, is not enough to make great customer experience. So can we push it, destroy the system and say, forget about bonuses. What people want is a healthy, good, thriving, happiness environment. And they, they can stay with you if you give them that. And they will care a little bit less about the financial perks. Uh, yeah, I mean, trust, engagement, development, people are twice more likely to stay with you if they get developed. <laughs> And they get you know go, do, going through training and doing development that what they would in recognition programs. That's been you know there was some figures I can't remember who the they them was it McKenzie or something like that showed that you know the 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 the, the programs a, a very excellent development program will be more an engagement for somebody to stay with you than a, a, a recognition program. So money isn't. And, and I think especially with the pandemic, right, it really has shown us how much people really want to show that, you know, you care for them. I mean, this, I always use that figure, but 88% of, of American, US Americans, pre-pandemic that was, um, work for an organization that they don't think care for them. I mean, that's almost nine out of 10 people get up every morning and go to work for somebody that they don't think care for them. I mean, no wonder why we've had an explosion of people, employees leaving. No wonder why now, you know, people can just, you know, don't like something, they'll go because you know what, they can. And if actually no one feel that, you know, they care for them, why should they stay? And I think, you know, we talk about generations and, you know, Z, Gen Z and millenniums and all that kind of things. And <laughs> I'm a Gen Z. <laughs> and I really care about if somebody cared for me, I would really more prefer 
you know, working for somebody that care for me, that somebody who doesn't care for me, right? Um, and I think that's any generation. If you, you know, even, you know, the millenniums wants to be part of something that, you know, leave a legacy. They want to feel that they're doing something for the world. And, you know, so that's all part of our vision and the missions. And, and so having all those things very clearly and very, you know, that people really understand and they can really connect with you. That's a big part of, of, of your advocacy. That's, that's, that's what it's all about, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't want to be unfair about the, the, I mean, it's not like we should completely ditch financials. So financial, financials are important in maybe in two ways. One is that like, we get pissed off when, for instance, we are unfairly paid. Like imagine this, my peer is being paid more than me. When we start comparing, that become, then becomes a, a problem. But it, the problem is not the money. It is that the, the, the fact that we feel like we are treated unfairly. And that correlates to your point, which is scary. And maybe the other point is when we our financials do not allow us to survive, like having the basics, right. like food, a, a roof. And so that's when it, is, uh, when it contributes to our balance, to our happiness. Uh, right. Yes, but beyond yes. that, in fact, who cares? We care about the environment to feel like a family, feeling in an environment of trust. And you mentioned it several times. Trust is, is something that is so important in, in corporations to develop personal bonding because it's human need in to feel connected, to feel a tribe. Right. And so I'll, I'll, I'll take you back to Maslow Pyramid, Ivan, and I'm sure you, you know your listeners and you've listened to, you've, you know what the Maslow Pyramid is. And the Maslow Pyramid shows us that we all have a certain level of satisfaction. And when we have those, we all have needs. And that when we met those needs, we can move to the next uh, level of satisfaction. So as you very rightly say, to survive in our life, we need food, we need water, we need rest, we need to be able to get uh, money to pay for food and for drink, right? And, and having a, a roof on our heads, right? That's kind of, that's our physiological need. If we do not have that, we cannot go to the next level, but once this is secured and you have got a job and you've got money coming in and you know that, you know, you're going to be able to put some bread in, in, on top of your table in the evening, then you look at the next level, which is safety. And safety is about security. It's about trust. It's about stability. It's about a shelter where you can lock the door and know that you're not going to get killed in the middle of the night. And really kind of have a sound rest because of that, knowing that your children are safe and your family is safe. Those are kind of the next need that you need to meet. Once this is met, then you can move it to the love and belonging, feeling part of something, you know, whether it's your family, whether it's your business. Uh, in the organization, you spend more time at work than what you spend at home. So, you know, create a, a feeling of belongings for your employees. So they can start making relationships, they can start making friends, they can start feeling that they've got surrounded by a tribe around them. Once this is met, then you go up to the next level and that's self-esteem. You know, it's feeling of accomplishment. It's that pat in the back, you know, when you're thinking, 
wow, you know, I've done really well. You start being grateful about things every day. You start looking at things and the more accomplishment you are, the more flourishing you are. You know, you really kind of start blossoming in that part because everything else is kind of fitting into that. And of course, the last part of it, it's self-actualization. So that comes when it's a workplace, your development, your training, how do you, where do you want, where do you see yourself? Do you want to be a manager? Do you want to be a CEO? Do you want to be, you know, do you just happy where you are? But, you know, you're feeling that, you know, you've achieved something and you're feeling that really, you know, what else can I go? So you're always evolving. In, in your life and those kind of that when you're looking at the pyramid and and you put that into a business context it's really interesting and it really makes you realize what's important and you can't move to the next level until you get those basics right exactly um now according to you what are the major misconceptions that organizations uh, are having regarding customer experience. So is there like some old stuff that comes from 50 years ago that, that is still using and reusing or what are they doing wrong? Because still, you, you know that everybody puts on the website, we are customer centric, you are the most important, we understand your needs and all that stuff. And then you go in front and there is marketeers who are getting to know the customer in front of PowerPoint, salesman that uh, only sends uh, WhatsApp. Uh, so what are we doing wrong with customer experience in organization? Um, I think the very simple fact that um, there's a customer experience department <laughs> makes people think that there's an only a department. That's their job to do customer service or customer experience. Um, and that's probably the biggest thing that you've got because it really, everybody, is customer experience. Everybody create an experience or should be creating an experience for your customers, whether it's internal customers or whether it's external customers. So whether, even if you're not working with a face-to-face -face person, a face-to-face -face customers, your back, your internal customers, your colleagues, your other, your employees in organization could be a customers of yours. And then, so again, you know, let's not forget that we are all customers of each other in an organization, right? And so having, you know, thinking that the customer service, it's just for customer service department is a really big thing. So putting back into the middle of everything that we do, whether it's the values or whether it's part of the mission, that you know, customer experience is all about you know, our employees and our customers, and every single one of us is part of this, that journey. We are all part of that. This is the only way that you can really, um, you can move forward. Hmm. Does that make sense? It makes sense. What you just said made me think about something that happened not so long time ago with one of one customer that that where we were we were trying to understand the correlation between the um, um, customer centricity and the behaviors that you may have in different type of departments. Because what is sad is that companies claim we are customer centric, or they say, as you mentioned, we all customer centric, but employees. Do not do the correlation between my job, the task that I'm doing, and this customer centricity. So if you are an accountant, you don't know how can you contribute 
if you are, I don't know, from the purchasing department, you don't know how to contribute. We are, our brain is not made so that to visualize what type of behaviors or actions can contribute to this big purpose of making customers super happy. Well, I think that's a that's a culture problem. Then that you know, if uh, if the purchasing department doesn't know that it contributes to <laughs> to the running of the business, that's that certainly is a, a, a training and a culture and arriving and not being you know shown and trained properly. That's definitely that is wrong in so many ways. <laughs> indeed, indeed, but that happens very often. Claire, don't think that this is a. And something that I I, I saw sure. it in, in different. Oh, no, absolutely, uh, no. <laughs> and that this is where uh, where people needs a little bit more of support by the managers, uh, by the organization, in order to to make them understand that how they can they are contributing and the practice practice itself of these behaviors start by how they interact. And you mentioned it inside of the organization first. So you want to be a, like a tribe. How do you collaborate with everybody so that this collaboration, this aspiration of, of, of the goal, like the high B contributes to, spills over to the customer. Because sure. indeed one department cannot make it. No. The, the only accountability is in that specific uh, department, the accountability of making the customers happy, then nobody will care. That's that's a sad uh, reality. Totally, <laughs> totally. And I think it comes back from, you know, when you're looking at the employee, how do you actually create that employee loyalty within your organization? How do you really kind of create this? And it comes, you know, I've got a model and it just from from the sourcing part of it, from the the advert you're putting in in your in in the paper or in in, in the paper that's that's doesn't happen no more. <laughs> Come on, Claire. <laughs> on your website, on social media, the words that you use, the, the how do you recruit? What are the questions you're asking within the recruitment? Does that align it with your values? You know, and all those things from the minute you start recruiting to somebody to, you know, the, the, the last time, the, the way they leave, you know, the, the offboarding, every step of the way have to have this in the middle and have to really kind of creating every questions you ask, every time you're profiling somebody or you're onboarding somebody, you know, those are the, 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 the things that you have to have within your, your HR pack, <laughs> your HR toolkit, <laughs> for sure, for sure. Now, if we move forward with this idea that everybody, every single employee is responsible or accountable for uh, customer experience, what would you say are the things, the bucket list of customer experience, the things that must be done by the organization as a whole? What are the most important things? Because I, I guess that it could be large like hell, but what are the most important things that should be part of the task list of a customer experience organization? So, uh, you, you know where I am standing at this moment in time uh, <laughs> in terms of the, there's a real gap missing. We're, we're missing a point at the moment in terms of uh, the environment of, of where, we're, where, where we are um, and how we are. Um, the environment where we live will help us, will support us or hinder us. 
Um, and so uh, I think one of the key points that we need to look for at the moment uh, to start with is creating a harmonious environment for our people and our customers. If you're able to create that harmonious environment, your employees are going to feel good. They're going to be creative, more productive. If you've got a really lovely experience and it smells nice and it feels good, well, your customers are going to come back. They're going to, you know, buy from you again. They're going to refer you. So, you know, for, for me, there's three parts of it. There's the environment and creating a harmonious environment. Then this really kind of this, how do you really um, create that employer's, employee's loyalty? So all those steps that follow this, like I just said earlier, you know, there's, there's seven steps that you need to follow. And those steps that really need to follow and in the middle drive your values and your vision, your mission. And then, of course, you've got your customers and then your customers. Again, there's, there's steps that you need to follow, whether it's, you know, um, the journey mapping, the emotional, the emotional connection with it. How do you acquire customers? How do you personalize things? How do you retain your customers? How do you listen to your customers? How do you brand yourself? What is the promise that you're giving your customers? So those are the three areas that you really, 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 really need to have a thriving business is have a fabulous, harmonious environment. Create loyalty and advocacy, advocacy with your customers and really beautiful, caring, loyalty um, culture with your employees. Does that make sense? Yeah. <clears throat> Claire, <clears throat> you have spent already quite a long time supporting major organizations in, in terms of the customer experience. Uh, and I'm pretty sure that you have observed the best of the best and the worst of the worst. <laughs> right? <laughs> we <laughs> I want some gossip without names. I just want to understand what have you observed in top organizations that are really good at customer experience and in the world. And I, I think the fact that you're French and you know how the French are with customer experience, especially in Paris. So you can tell me a little bit more. <laughs> that killed your reputation. <laughs> I'm not sure if the French are, you know, they're, they're quite driven in it, but I know sometimes they could be a little bit moody, if I could say so myself. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't put the French in the, in the top, top, the, the very, uh, no, anyway. no, no, a generalization, exactly. a generalization. I think we've got, French people have got, you know, a, a hospitality in their blood and in their body. They, you know, that's really important, but um, they can be quite moody sometimes. <laughs> anyway, going into <laughs> experiences or dreadful experiences. Um, my, my third book, Ivan, is called um, The Secret Diary of a Mystery Shopper. Yeah. Um, and I, I do reveal a few stories, some good, some bad, and some exceptional stories. Um, so if you want to know more of the gossips, go and get my book, vlog. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, there's something that I always, always bring up, and that's um, a, a particular airline. I'm not going to mention the name, but mm. you will all recognize, or you can all go on YouTube and Google it. Um, a particular airline which has dragged, dragged, I'm saying dragged because it's the word, dragged its customer out of his plane. And is, you know, the, 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 the actual footage is scary. I mean, never, ever, 
ever, ever drive your customers out of your business, right? Please never do that. Because within seconds, it will be all over. Your share will go down. You know, your brand, your trust, everything will go down. It's bad enough when you give bad customer service when serving a, a stick or something, but dragging your customers out of your organization is a no, 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 a big no, no. And that's quite a bad damaging brand damage that you can get really. Yes. <laughs> um, regarding the good ones well you've talked about Zappos um, those kind of organizations have done amazingly well because they just want to generally help people and I think that's really cool uh, there's other organizations which are online uh, perhaps I shouldn't mention any names but um, they, they're again very focused on getting it right using the technology to get it right um, it's not easy because technology moves so fast and at the same time we're trying it and arrowing. So I think the technology has to also be customer centric mm. um, and because <laughs> sometimes it's not and you can get very quickly frustrated with technology. So it's really getting a balance now between uh, getting the technology right to help our customers do things by themselves so it can be quicker. But as soon as it can't, that you can speak to somebody human. And that's kind of where you can really get it right in terms of that wow experience where, you know, um, you, you don't get into the kind of damaging and frustration of your customers and start complaining and start going on social media and start, you know, like a little bit, like I was feeling before I started speaking to you, Ivan. Yes, <laughs> yes, you mentioned. <laughs> no, I will not mention any names, but I will certainly be connecting with the head office very soon to see if I can give them any help and support. <laughs> I will put the link of this company below. No, please don't. <laughs> no, just between you and me. But, you know, there's something that organization needs to do and really to kind of get it right. You, you really have, you have four steps to do. You diagnose your gaps, understand where you are then you're really developing some really cool strategies really really start developing your strategy and of course you take action so you start implementing and training your staff on it and of course the last one is result measuring your result measuring the how is it going what we've put in place and if you do those steps every time you do start something new you can't go wrong with it because you know you're doing it the right way one step at the time I really love the point that you made about technology. So technology to replace the human interaction is not a doesn't give a positive result. Technology built around that complements, in fact, that empowers the human. That is something that is quite amazing. But mm -hmm. you cannot have these chatbots where they don't understand the questions, where uh, or in the telephone there is a robot uh, telling you my name is Eva or whatever. Uh, and you get so frustrated, really. And there is no way to get to a person unless you really are lucky after 10 minutes. But that doesn't happen very often. No, and, and the customer's frustrated. Uh, and, then, and then the problem is that happens is once the customer actually do speak to somebody, it's that poor employees 
it was going to get the hit of it. So that pool employees on the phone or face to face having that customers who's been really, really frustrated and they're going to start renting and they're going to get annoyed and they start complaining. And that pool employee is left here totally, totally feeling dizzying. Diz, he can't do anything about this because it's not been dealt properly in the first place. So it's it's not fair on the employees to have bad technology. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yes, if you if you see my jigs. <laughs> um, Claire, so you also talk about customer experience in your last book, which is called Biz Shui Nineteens to Feng Shui Your Business for Success. So I'm quite interested because you know me, I'm a very rational person. So the stories with Feng Shui, I understand the analogies with right. human psychology. I may not understand the the things that are a little bit mystic behind, but how? What are the learnings that you can have about applying the Feng Shui for me philosophy to customer experience? Ivan, do you understand how electricity works? Yes, I'm an engineer. <laughs> Damn, that was the wrong question. <laughs> I told you. Okay. I don't know how electricity works. <laughs> I still use it every day because, you know, I can see then I can cook my dinner on it. <laughs> but I don't get how we're getting electricity, right? But okay, that was a, the wrong question for the wrong person. But <laughs> what's, what the only thing that I can say is when you're going somewhere and you feel good, you want to stay there, right? You know, yeah. And, yeah. yeah, when you're in your home and you're feeling good because it's your home, you've made it nice, you've put the colors that you wanted, you've put some nice picture around, you feel so good. That's why homes, most of homes feel good because it's a safe place to be and you feel at home, right? When you're creating that environment, so we talk about feng shui and it does seem a little bit woo-woo, but in fact, it's all about energy. It's exactly the same as electricity. You may not get it, but if you feel good doing it, why not doing it again? <laughs> and creating a better energy around you. And that's where that harmonious environment is all about. Uh, that part, I totally get it. It's like, maybe for me, it would be the feeling that why I like this painting versus another painting. Maybe you were, you are going to find it amazing, but I have a preference yeah. for something, and I don't. I have no ways of explaining why it drove exactly. emotions, uh, or, or I really liked it, or I became obsessed because I'm a little bit of an obsessive guy. So I became obsessed to, with, with parts of the painting. I was. I, I still remember when I saw the first time Guernica from Picasso. I was like for hours and hours like looking at every single detail. I'm a nerd. But anyways, I cannot explain it. In, in that context, I, I can because understand it. It feels it, natural. It feels good. Yes. And but, that, uh, you said the word emotion. You connect it emotionally. Yeah. 
when you've got good positive energy you're feeling emotionally connected it's energy in motion emotion and that's what happens when you feel good you're connecting on that emotional level that right brain the feminine energy we talked about earlier that's what it's all about and the feminine energy connect directly with your emotion inside so when you connect emotionally you're going to feel good you're going to smell you know something oh and suddenly you're releasing all those happy hormones right you know you're releasing the serotonin oxytocin and a bit of dopamine as well because you're excited about it right and that's 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 neuroscience even it's not woo woo it's exactly neuroscience and you know if you you know it's been studied and science researched everywhere so, you know, being able to really create something around us so our outer energy support our inner energy, that's magic. <laughs> Indeed. You were mentioning something that I'm quite like, it's quite important for me is that people need to understand uh, that because you mentioned feminine energy. Uh, so feminine traits, in fact, is something that is not, innate that men can learn by the way can practice can get inspired from women to practice this i don't know being genuine being emotionally connected with people have the ability to process emotions and and voice and uh, and cognition at the same time this is something that can be practiced by our uh, by our brain so it's nothing to do that you're a woman you have an advantage no you can also learn from our women and encourage mm. People to learn because we need to be able to activate the both sides of both sides of the brain that we that we have and to get this balance in in our lives. Claire, how can people reach you? <laughs> well, I'm a bit of a social media butterfly, <laughs> so um, you will find me on LinkedIn. Uh, just with my name pretty much you know LinkedIn Instagram I've got some really cool videos on um, on YouTube as well so uh, just go and check it out uh, you you know I've just moved to Dubai so I've uh, the last 18 weeks now uh, I've been doing a, a video uh, a week and sharing a little bit of uh, some tips some feng shui you know maybe some decluttering stuff you know I've been talking about some of the stuff that I've been doing in traveling and all that so check out my youtube uh, channel it's uh, there's loads of content there about customer experience about employees about feng shui about mystery shopping <laughs> so there's loads loads of videos there and of course my website which is just clairboss.com um, and there you'll learn a little bit more about Bishui. Um, and of course, if you want me to come and inspire, empower, and abuse your people, you know <laughs> where I am. <laughs> so I will put all of these links below the, the description of, of this episode. Uh, I just have to correct you, Claire. I wouldn't say that you are a, a social butterfly, but you are a social queen bee. It was lovely to have you and I am pretty sure that within the next week we are going to see each other face to face for a coffee. That sounds like a plan to me. Thank you very <laughs> Thanks much. Thanks very much. much.